Presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. We're a little rusty, I think. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. We're back. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, in the time that we've been gone, I think there's been uh, three seasons of Lost, two seasons of 24, and uh, they they redid the ending to The Sopranos to satisfy fans. I haven't seen any of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, Have you watched Lost yet? No? You haven't watched it? I don't want to talk about it. All right, we'll, we'll talk later. At this point, if you haven't if you haven't watched Lost by the time that the Spooky South Coast uh, extravaganza is over on Saturday night, I'm going to ruin it for you. You know, that's been long enough, so now I'm just going to ruin it for you. But we'll talk later. I don't want to ruin it for the audience if they haven't seen it. So, welcome, welcome into the madness. How you been? It's been about what four weeks now, Matt, since we've been on the air. It's been a long time. Feel been a long yeah. time since we rock and rolled. That's true. It feels like a lifetime because. Uh, We've been craving the return of Spooky South Coast. Supposed to come back last week, but uh, apparently, uh, while we were uh, while we were away during NCAA basketball, there were some changes at the station, and uh, there was nobody to let us in. But now we've got the keys, as Moniz likes to say. We have a key, and so now we can come in and we can rock your world every Saturday night, uh, as long as the Red Sox will let us. We still haven't figured out that live streaming thing, but at least now we can get into the building, which is a step above where we were last week. So we'd like to thank Pete and everybody here for uh, helping us out with getting back on the air, and uh, we'll we'll be here to talk with you about the paranormal every Saturday night for as long as we can until until you start writing letters telling them to stop letting us come into the studio. Matt, has anything uh, pressing been happening in the paranormal world that you can think of? In the last uh, few weeks? Not offhand, no. No, it seems like we're in a relatively quiet period in terms of, um, you know, major splashes within the field and crossing over with the mainstream. You know, no new paranormal programs have debuted. Uh, no major evidence has been released. But there's been a lot of controversy uh, in the last few weeks, and, and some of it has surrounded TAPSCon and uh, the work of, uh, of Brent Fair and what he's been doing with TAPSCon. And, and that's, you know, I'm not going to get into taking sides on that. Uh, I think anytime anybody starts putting together an event within the paranormal community, uh, you're pretty much taking your own life into your hands because uh, you know how rabid the fan base is and, and the interest level is in the paranormal right now. And to to try to be able to put together a show that will satisfy everyone, I mean, I'm, I, I, my hats are off to anybody that even tries. 
So, but there was a lot of controversy surrounding that. I know Matt Moniz, our science advisor, wanted to address it weeks ago. I think he was part of the uh, part of the discussion that happened about it on another radio program, an internet radio program. So, uh, hopefully, Matt got his say. He's at he's at a Taps event right now. He's at the Mount Washington uh, Hotel for the Beyond Reality event that's going on this weekend, and then he'll be back there again next weekend. So we're going to try and check in with him a little bit later on, and we'll find out what controversies in the paranormal are going on up there this weekend, because if there's anything going on that's even the least slightest bit drama, you can bet Matt Moniz is somewhere centered in the middle of it. Not causing it, I'm just saying, like, observing and reporting. That's what he does. He's like the Mothman. He's always he's always there watching. What well, what do you think? <clears throat> Excuse me. What do you think about these events? I know that you've had a chance to go to a few of them, and you see them all come across our desks and come across our our uh, emails and in, inboxes and, and letting us know that they're even happening. What are your thoughts on all these events? I mean, as somebody who's been to similar conventions for other interests that you have, yeah. As yeah, far like as rock and shock, you've been to things like that. So uh, you, you've you've gone to conventions and, yeah. and meetings and, and and events like that before for other things. How do you think that translates into the paranormal field? Well, I think a, a few the um, paranormal one, paranormal uh, conferences and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it, they differ a little bit than like the say the rock and shocks and things like that. Those are mainly geared towards. Um, it seems like there's a lot of vendors. When, yeah, people when, just trying to hawk stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, when you go to a paranormal convention or something, um, there's more of it's a lot of people talking to one another, networking, things like that. Uh, of kind of a so. focus more on education, and uh, that's the good thing about these conferences: well, is sharing of evidence and things like that. You're always going to bring in something or some viewpoint or some person that somebody might not have. Uh, taken into account previously, somebody they may not have heard of, somebody who they may not have agreed with in the past, uh, a, a technique that them, that might be new to them, uh, something they've never thought of trying. So there's there's always going to be a degree of education involved, but some of them have evolved into, you know, basic fanboy conventions where it's, you know, come and meet this person while they hawk this book and sell this T-shirt, and, yeah. you know, some of them have become that. Now, I'm not going to name names because... It, as far as I'm concerned, you know, there's there's value in all of them uh, for, for those who attend if if they know what they're getting into heading into it. Uh, like for example, if I'm going to spend three to four hundred dollars for a ticket to a convention, I, I want to take seminars. I want to sit in lectures. I want to see evidence presented. I want to have group review. Um, I don't really want to go and just listen to somebody talk for two hours and put on. Standing you know, a snazzy presentation. Standing stand in line for a John Zaffis autograph. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's. I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, that that's definitely part of these events. Uh, but I don't want that to be the event itself. You know, I want substance uh, to what's going on. I don't I don't want a glorified meet and greet. And I think that for the most part, a lot of these convention holders and, and convention organizers understand that. They want to learn, too. They just they, they, they don't want to go to this just to watch everybody else get autographs. They want to hear some presentations. And, you know, our friend Jeff Belanger, who comes in here once a month and co-hosts a show with us, he does a great job with his presentations. Right. They're always entertaining. And, you know, I think they're always informative, too. There's always something you can take away from it. And so when you get to go and see four or five or six presentations like that over the course of a weekend, then you're really getting your money's worth. 
But a lot of conventions that are being organized now are kind of just, um, I mean, how can I say this without, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, to disparage any of them, but they think that because they have a group and because they can get a couple other guest speakers, that's enough. Mm. And it's just, it's not enough. You think it's enough because you say, okay, I've got this guy willing to come, this guy willing to come, this guy. There's a couple people out there in the paranormal world. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want their phones to start ringing off the hook with requests. But there are a couple of people who will come out and and speak at conventions uh, for little or no cost at all. They don't take a fee. You know, uh, they just they might want to bring some books or some something that they might be trying to move and, and and bring that, but they don't take a fee, an appearance fee for coming. And when when that starts rolling and you start getting a number of these people and, and you say, okay, I've got eight different speakers that I can put on. And all eight of these people are willing to do an investigation at the same time. And I found a haunted location that can accommodate, you know, X number of people. And I found a hotel that's willing to put, a, but just because the specifics are there, is there still a reason? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is there still a, a marketability for it? And I mean, maybe my mind's getting clouded a little bit with the work I've been doing uh, with power relations, but it seems like for for some of these, it's like, okay, we can hold a convention, a event, a conference, so let's do it. And you, you're not going to be packing enough bang for the buck uh, if, if that's what you're looking for. You've got to look at what's out there, and you've got to say to yourself, how can I make this better? How can I make this different? You know, I went to one in Indiana, and it was so good. I just wish I had had more time to talk about this, this, and this. So then bring that to yours or bring the speakers who were good in that area to a different area. I mean, there's probably four conventions happening uh, in the course of a year within, you know, 200 square miles of each other in certain areas of the country. And it's just you need to be able to, to make sure that you draw and that, everybody's desire to meet these people, to hear these talks, isn't quelled at one of these other conventions. I mean, we you know we could do it. You know if we wanted to do one, we could hold one. But we just can't put the effort into it, uh, you know, with our schedules the way they are. And, and you know, we, we couldn't put the time involved in, in really making it a quality event. Could we bring in people that could help us get that done? Absolutely. We have plenty of great friends in the field, people who have organized conferences in the past who could definitely come in and help us. But what's the overriding factor that keeps us from doing this when we want to do it? We look at our geographic area and we say, there's not a lot of reason for people to come here. There's, it's not really accessible to come to the south coast of Massachusetts. You know, people are going to, what, fly into Logan, fly into Providence, have to have a 40-minute ride here either way. Um, if we tried to hold it in one of these bigger cities, you know, then you kind of lose some of the identity of the area and you're kind of wandering into almost foreign territory than from what you're used to dealing with. Uh, and you're also increasing the cost. You know, we know we could hold a, a paranormal conference on the south coast in one of these great locations around here. You know, there's a, there's a hotel, yep. um, you know, right down the street. Uh, right, that you drive by to come to the studio. I'm sure they have a, a very nice meeting center, a very nice conference center. Hold something there. But there's got to be something else that draws people here uh, that makes it worth their time. What, like a like a haunted location? or a, a location or just something else they can do at the same time. Uh, for example, uh, right now as we speak, Ghost Doc 
Ghost Talk 7 is happening in Salem, uh, Patrick Burns' event, and it's mm-hmm. the first time that they've been in Salem. And there's a lot of great speakers and guests at Ghost Talk, and it's one of these conventions, uh, one of these conferences where people get together and actually do share evidence and do share uh, what they've learned and insight. And it's it's very – it's academic without being – it's educational, I mean, without being academic is what I'm saying. Okay. It's it's a relaxed atmosphere. It's a great place to go and learn new techniques, and, and it's it's well done. But also, it's in Salem. So a lot of these people can get out there during the course of their weekend and explore Salem. And they can check out things on their own. They don't have to just limit themselves to what's being offered. Um, you know, our, our friend Darkness Dave is putting on one at Waverly Hills uh, coming up in May, and as Matt Moniz can tell you, you know, when you go to Waverly Hills, you're pretty much just going to Waverly Hills. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot to do in, yeah. in Louisville outside of that. Some of these other locations are in the middle. Of, I mean, Fall River, you know, if you're going to go to Lizzie Borden's house, how much more do you want to do in Fall River, especially if it gets dark out? It's an Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just when you you have to have, you know, Disney World, Disney World is more than just rides. Okay, and that's why they're so successful. It's not just the rides that, that drew people in, because go back 40 or 50 years when the place first opened, and what did they have? You know, especially, or go to Disneyland even in California. What did yeah. they have? Flying elephants and teacups. <laughs> you know, what's the big deal about that? But they made it a destination point by adding to it. You add the Disney element. You add the something extra beyond just the rides, and that's what's got to start to be done with some of these conferences or they're just going to start to get diluted. I don't know why I went off on a rant about conferences. They're all great, and we support them all. <laughs> but I'm just saying there needs to be some separation and there needs to be some some rethinking uh, yeah. before people you know, start getting into the second annual whatever convention. So well, We don't want it to die out, basically. No, I mean, that, that's, that's, you want to make sure that you keep giving yeah. people a reason to write that three or $400 check. Especially times where they are now. You know, we're seeing more and more of, of these bargain offers that are coming across the wire here. It's like, okay, you know, you can buy a ticket to this event for only $100 for one day. And then you look at the names and all the people that are there, and, and you know that they're not from the area. They're being flown in. They're being pro- they're probably having their travel expenses picked up for coming in. And you start to say, okay, how can you offer that? And then only charge $100 a ticket. Either there's going to be 3,000 people that show up in this small place uh, trying to watch this event, or, you know, there's something that's going to end up going wrong, whether it be there's not enough money to, to pay all the guests that came right. or or quality suffers somehow. Um, and I think that's kind of what the trouble that a lot of these events will get into is, you know, you get a great deal hooked up with a local hotel and and then... You know, you tell them that 40 people are staying, and that's where you get that room rate, and then only 20 people show up. And then, therefore, the hotel says, well, we can't charge you that room rate anymore because that was based on 40 people. You know, we can't give you that big of a discount anymore, so prices go up. You've already sold the tickets. You've already made these price agreements, so now you have to eat the difference. It has to come out of your profit end. And for anybody out there that's putting on these conventions, you know, right now, raise your hand if you bought yourself a car or a house or, or even a, a laptop with the proceeds that you've made from this conference. No, you're putting it in the bank and hanging on to it, uh, and that's the, you know, in case of glass, uh, in case of emergency break glass money for the second convention. 
um, or it's starting to get the ball rolling with deposits for the second convention. It's not a profitable enterprise, oh. uh, and I think that's where people start to see, you know, oh, hey, hmm, yeah, 300 people showed up to that event and paid $300 each. Now, if I could get that, but only bring in half the guest speakers, and then I don't have to spend all that money on guest speakers, that's all money that could go into my pocket. It doesn't work that way. You know, when we did the Lizzie Borden event uh, that we did last year, yep. we spent all our profit on pizza for people. <laughs> we did. You know, really, we got a couple of months' uh, worth of podcasting fees. I think I got out gas money. You did get gas money. I remember we made sure you got gas money. So um, I was happy. I'm yeah. happy with that. I mean, but after we paid our our guest speaker and after we paid the, the fees associated with, with renting out the house for the night, you know, we, we had enough money to buy people pizzas. And we had enough money to pay for podcasting for a few months. And folks, our podcasting is nine dollars and ninety-five cents a month. So it's not—it's not like we made a whole. Thank you, Hipcast.com. It's not like we made a whole bunch of uh, of profit off of that. And it's—you have to look at it and say, okay, it was a great event. We had a great time. People had fun. Positive reviews. But how can we change it? How can we make it different next time? And you know, from the feedback we've got was, you know, less talky, more investigative. Yeah. And and maybe that is the trend that's coming out in these conventions. Maybe people would rather just spend $50, $100 to just get into the place, and you don't need to add on that extra, you know, lecture. I don't want to say that because all of our friends out there who make, you know, make a living or, or subsidize their living off getting out there and making these, making the lecture circuit, you know, they, they need work too. But in, in some cases, you know, if you want to keep it on the cheap, that's kind of your biggest cost a lot of the times yeah. is bringing in these speakers. And we don't want to see, like we said, we don't want to see these things suffer. It's kind of funny because, you know, at Power Relations, we actively seek conventions for our clients to speak at. And here I am, you know, admonishing the increase in conferences. But, you know me, though. I'm going to be open and honest about things. And I mean, Power Relations is, is great. It's 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 definitely taking off. It's definitely moving forward. Uh, Chris Balzano has been doing a great job helping getting it off the ground. But at the same time, you know, we're we're also practical. We understand that the paranormal is in a boom right now, and that all of a sudden, here we are faced with the economy the way it is, with life the way it is right now uh, around the world, not just here in the U.S. And that's going to put a serious damper on the paranormal because. For a lot of people, it's just a hobby. And when you don't have money, the first thing to go are the hobbies. And, I mean, you know, you, you used to collect things when you were younger, and when you stopped having money, you know, you stopped collecting things. Yep. It's it's unfortunate that it has to get to that point, but it's really getting to that point for a lot of people. And, you know, the, when they used to be able to afford to go to four or five of these things a year, now they can only maybe pick one or two. So, the cream rises to the top. I guess so. That being said, for $300, you can spend the weekend at Matt Moniz's house. He'll take you to Lizzie Borden's and let you sleep on his couch. He's got the key. He does. So, all right, I think I want to get off the convention topic uh, for now because I don't want I, I to... Get anybody down on the idea of going to these. By all means, if you can afford them, go to them. No matter what one it is, you know, go learn. You're going to come away with something. Um, but just, you know, spend it wisely. Don't sell your house to go to a convention. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Because I'll tell you what, you know, if, if you want to hear the people talk that badly, then just listen to shows like this or some of these other paranormal radio shows that are out there. You're going to get the same information from these mm-hmm. people. It might not be in such a snazzy, you know, multimedia PowerPoint presentation, but you're going to get the information. The information is out there. Well, that's like that's like buying a live uh, live CD of your favorite band and listening to it in your car. Instead, like, of, instead of going to the concert? Instead of going to the concert. Yeah. You're like, I'll just, I'll just buy the live CD and sit outside the uh, Comcast Center or... I know, like, like when I say, you know, I can't believe I'm in the same room as Bono right now. Yeah. You know, and some people want to say that. They want to say, I can't believe I'm in the same room as John Zaffis right now. And, or Matt Moniz. I don't think anybody says that. <laughs> I do every, every Saturday. You do? You just sit in awe? Only on or, the... Or you're saying, I can't believe I'm in the same room as Matt Moniz. Only when he shows up. <laughs> Well, he's going to be busy for the next few weekends. So, But we can take the discussion anywhere you want to bring it. 508 996 500 You can also email us, spooky crew at com, And, of course, we have the new technology uh, going on. We've just finally figured out how to use it in the last few weeks, and that's Twitter. Uh, we are now tweeting on Twitter. You know what I was thinking, too, is uh, we we made it twitter.com slash spooky SC because I couldn't fit spooky South Coast. We probably could have fit spooky crew. Sure. Too late now. Uh-huh. We've already got millions and fo- millions of followers. By millions, I think I mean 15 followers. But we thank you all for signing up. And definitely tell your friends and anybody out there who is uh, Twitter uh, literate, which uh, it's 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 not really uh, that hard to use, but it takes a little figuring out at first. Uh, Twitter.com slash SC, and you'll be able to get updates all week long. I mean, besides just things that go on during the show, I know we're going to be tweeting during the show, you know, things like, hey, next caller gets a T-shirt, you know, when we have the T-shirts. But uh, we'll also have, uh, you know, stuff during the course of the week. Who knows what it could be? It could be anything. Whenever we feel like just sending out a tweet. Yeah, sure. If I, once, a, once we can get Moniz to figure out how to do it, you know, he'll be, like, sending out links to, to news stories that he comes across and, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to be at this place and, you yeah. know, I'm going to be at the Applebee's in Fall River. Come get an <laughs> autograph. Like Paul yeah. Pierce on, on his Twitter says, you know, meet me at the Westgate before the game and I'll give you playoff tickets. No. Matt Moniz nice. will be like, hey, meet me at, you know, Lizzie Borden's house before my investigation, and I'll let you carry in my equipment for me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Do you want to take a break? Do we need to take a break? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, because it's almost news time. Is. Um, my my mind is all time. my mind is all messed up because we we went on at the half hour instead almost of at the hour. Time. It is almost business time. It's, there's nothing good on TV. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we are going to come back in just a few minutes. We're going to take a break for the news. When we come back, we'll have a whole hour to talk with you. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Email spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. We'll have the Week and Weird coming up in just a little bit. We've got a few stories that have been holding for the last few weeks that we'd like to share with you. And we can also talk about anything and everything paranormal. Uh, Maybe you've had a ghostly experience, a UFO encounter. Maybe there's some hairy creature hanging out in your backyard. He's in in New Hampshire, in Mount Washington, so it's not Matt Moniz. All right, well, stay tuned. We'll be back with more in just a bit here on Spooky South Coast. 
Coast is back. Are you ready? I am ready. I am always ready. I have been ready. I am ready. I can smell your I'm not afraid. You Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, even though the first hour was an abbreviated one. We are steering the ship straight ahead until midnight. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And we are here to talk with you about the paranormal. Share your paranormal experiences and stories with us. 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500. Email us, crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And, and Matt, I've noticed that you've been doing some design work with SpookySouthCoast.com, moving some stuff around, trying to make it more user-friendly. Yeah, I've been trying to tweak it, make it uh, less cluttery. It is a little so. cluttered. It was it was getting cluttered. So I'm glad that you've uh, undertaken that project. And, of course, uh, you've also been updating Planet Paranormal, our page there as well. Also, yeah, we've uh, I think we're up to uh, equal to the archives. So we're we're working is, uh, there. We're definitely yeah. working on getting more up there too. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've been able to uh, move a number of shows uh, onto the internet, and now we're just trying to get all caught up as we head going forward into the spring and summer months, and and hopefully we can get to the point where we're we're dead even, and then uh, we can just get them uploaded every week. But it's tough. It's tough. I'm I'm down to only one computer in my house, and I I have to share it and. I don't always have the time to to put together the shows and get them online, but we are working on it. And uh, then sooner or later, I'm just going to break down and buy a new laptop. So if you'd like to make a donation, just email us spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, and uh, we'll we'll gladly accept any donations toward a laptop. I, I can promise you this: if 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 the fans of Spooky South Coast donated money for a laptop, I'd definitely have the show <laughs> updated. It, it would be on there either Sunday or Monday every week. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't ask for anything. We do this out of out of love for for what we do and for the passion we have for educating people and 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 finding out about this stuff ourselves. We've asked for a lot. We do kind of ask for Sometimes. a lot. Sometimes. Nobody ever gives us anything, but it seems like we're always <laughs> our hands are always we're, open. We're always hinting towards a laptop or a, a new iPod. Yeah, but or, usually when we're talking about wanting a new iPod, we're talking directly to Apple. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And I, I wouldn't mind an iPod Touch. Actually, you got a new a new cell phone. How's yeah. that working out for you? Uh, I like it. It takes a little while getting used to. But. Yeah, I couldn't use it. My fingers were way too fat. That's made for <laughs> for skinny fingered people. But uh, you know, as we were talking earlier, we were talking about you know changes in, in paranormal conventions, and and I think that's something that's going to be a direct result of the world we live in today and the economy we live in today. Uh, but I think also one of the biggest things that's going to suffer is uh, technology 
in terms of paranormal investigation. I think you're going to find less new devices coming out there that cost, you know, one or two or three thousand dollars a piece, and you're going to see more of a focus on people going out there and adapting existing equipment and finding ways to utilize, you know, what they find in the Salvation Army or in a flea market and, and finding a way to adapt that into investigation. Now, uh, all these boxes that came out over the last couple of years, these ghost boxes that have been coming out with a price tag of a couple of hundred dollars on them, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not advocating one device over another, but I'm saying, you know, you're seeing less people interested in picking up one of those, and I'm sure, I'm sure their sales are good. But I'm just saying, like, in the people that I talk to, they're more interested in picking up one of those Radio Shack radios and, and, and doing the Radio Shack hack and utilizing that to essentially do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I know that you've been uh, tweaking those and, and working with those. Uh, is there, to you, is there more satisfaction in being able to, you know, buy something off the shelf and manipulate it and, and make a, adaptations to it to use it for investigation rather than just going out there and buying a ready-made piece of ghost hunting equipment? I mean, it, uh, I don't know. It's 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 kind of like a, I don't know how to explain well, it. Well, you hack everything yeah. anyway. <laughs> like, you cannot have anything without taking it apart and seeing how it works. I can't help it. It's a bad habit. Well, so it's, far, it's, 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 it's going it's, something, to... Something that I don't want is going to break. It's worked out so far. So, You know, yeah. it's, when you're telling me that you're, you know, cracking open Nintendo Wii's, and yeah. now that we should say that on the air, but, <laughs> you know, but when you're able to, you know, when, when you have a mind that can look at a piece of electronic equipment and say, all right, how can I make this better, uh, is one of the thoughts that you look, when you look at this, is how can I use this in investigation? Um. As far as the Wii? No, just <laughs> no. when you can you go out there and, and pick up, you know, just anything and, and try and think about an adaptative use for it? Um, for the most part, there's a lot of things out there that you could uh, just pick up at a thrift store that, and just uh, combine it with another piece of equipment. Well, that's basically what all these boxes are, is just um, different pieces of Pieces of equipment just hooked up together to make one and, unit. And you've seen, uh, you, you've told me about it, and I've seen them online. They'll take that Radio Shack hack, that one little tiny radio about the size of an iPod, and they'll put echo chambers on it and put it in Lucite casings and, like, yeah. all these different things. So you have what starts off as a little small piece of equipment that actually turns into, you know, something kind of big that you carry around, look around with you. Look at Mike Markowitz's equipment. You know, he's he'll have you know his soundboard, his his microphones. Yeah, you know he has. I, I love his uh, portable speakers. But then, yeah, I was gonna say, his, uh, that. what is it? Portable EV EVP amplification device. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what is it? Like a couple of computer speakers, like a subwoofer. Yeah. And... <laughs> So, but car, I mean, car speakers, I think. But that's what it takes, you know. That's the kind of engineer. And Mike is one of the most yeah. ingenious people we know, at being able to take things and and adapt it. I go into the Salvation Army store that I frequent, you know, once a week, and uh, usually I look around and I'm looking for for good deals on stuff, and I always find something that I say, hey, if I buy that. And I give that to Matt Costa. He's going to be able to find some sort of way to use it. Or if I give it to Matt Moniz, he'll look at it and say, well, we can use it like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we picked up everything from those outdoor speakers uh, that people use for, like, their Halloween and Christmas displays to, um, 
yeah, I was there. I was there the other day. They had a baby monitor system, huh? and I was like, "Wow, you know, that's a real piece of crap baby monitor system. It's kind of old, and you know, it's not the more modern one. It probably gets a lot of cross interference from other electronic devices in the house." But I'm thinking to myself, you know, but that would still be that would be a perfect white noise generator because that's all that it does. If it, they're so sensitive, the least little touch, it, you're just going to get snow. So, yep. I mean, everything has some sort of use uh, in this field and it's just if you can't go out there and spend four or five hundred dollars to get started on equipment you know you can there's not many people who can no <laughs> and you you can pick up some of the stuff on the cheap i mean really all you need is a, a a digital camera a video camera and a digital tape recorder that'll get you going yeah. for like 200 bucks um but that being said, there's also seems to be a trending toward when you go to some different websites and read some different writers and, and, and listen to what people are talking about, they're kind of trending away from using so much equipment in an investigation. A number of investigators that I talk to and that I correspond with are saying they're advocating more and more that people leave the equipment at home and just go out into investigations with a notebook, with you know, maybe just a camera, their own eyes, you know, not worrying so much about uh, EMF, worrying so much about ion gen- ion counters and ion generators and all the stuff that's costing people hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You know, leave that stuff at home. Don't bring the parabolic microphone. You know, and it, I'm wondering if that's because they think that the sensitivity of this equipment is causing a lot of false positives. You know, you're able to pick up so much stuff with this mm-hmm. that everybody's mistaking it for something paranormal. Or is it legitimately, you know, not proven enough that this is existence of the paranormal just because you get a spike on an EMF meter doesn't, you know, or is it the fact that people are shying away from it because they can't afford it? They can't have it in their toolbox. So therefore they're going to kind of turn around and, and, and talk, you know, put it down a little bit yeah. uh, because they don't have it in their arsenal. I could see um, an over-analyzation of investigations. Like, well, that's definitely happening. Yeah, with uh, all this equipment. I mean, the harder you look for something, the, I mean, the more you're going to want to yeah, see it, the more you're going to find I mean, you're going to find it, I guess, whether it's there or not. Or, I, I mean... I, I guess it, it leaves room for people who... Uh, will just maybe find something to justify that they have all that equipment. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, if you went out and spent, you know, $1,000 on on various pieces of equipment, would you feel the need to come back with something on your first trip to, to, not even yourself, not even yourself, okay? Let's just say, you know, let's just say you're married and you're taking money out of the family budget to go out and buy some of this equipment, do you need to come home and justify to your partner, hey, look what I found. It was definitely worth spending the $1,500 I spent on this stuff. I mean, is that part of it? Is that something that you are concerned about when you're looking at this evidence that people are showing, being the skeptical person that you are? Do you kind of wonder if people are hoping that the ends will justify the means? I think I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, that is, it, it is a lot of money to spend and not come up with anything. But, I mean, there are plenty of times that where you go, you are going to go out and not find anything. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's the nature of, of people the have to realize that when they when they think about investing all their, not all their money, but 
a good amount of their money into this into this equipment. You know what though? It seems like is uh, as, as we try harder uh, to to succeed, and it becomes harder to succeed in, in the environment that we live in now. Um, I think any hobby that we invest our money in, we're going to kind of see it fall by the wayside because we have to work so hard to survive. We don't have the spare time to invest in that hobby. So I think whether it's paranormal investigation or whether it's something else, you know, you're going to spend money on something that you're just never going to see get put to use uh, because you might not have the time. I mean, look, at we go out and we buy video game systems and we buy high-definition televisions. And, you know, how much time do we have to sit down and actually play or sit down and watch television? And so I think, you know, with, with Paranormal Investigation, it's kind of the same thing. You'll buy the equipment, and then you're just itching to get out there and, and get a case in which you can go out there and use it. And then you just find, I don't have the time to go out there and conduct an investigation right now. Yeah. It's just—it's sad. <laughs> it is, and and not just in paranormal investigation, but in just about anything, you know, that we have to work so hard to to get the job done that we can't pursue these other interests that we have, and that's why you're going to see more people that are trying to cross the two, that are trying going to try to use their interests in the paranormal as a way to make money, uh, in order to be able to keep doing it. So I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to make things better and make things worse but we'll see how it goes all right well why don't we uh get to the the week and weird how are we doing on breaks we how, how many breaks we have this hour couple minutes all right why don't we take one and when we come back on the other side we'll do the week and weird we'll tell you about some of the news stories that have been floating out there while we've been off the air and then later on we'll talk to science advisor matt moniz who is up in New Hampshire. He is leaving the Mount Washington uh, Beyond Reality event, and he's going to stay someplace pretty unique tonight. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him about that when we speak with him in just a little bit. And, of course, you can call in anytime, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. You can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, and join us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash SpookySC. We'll be right back with more in just a few minutes here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. And the Twitter feed is working because I just posted up on there what Matt Costa smells like right now. Uh (laughs) Oh, you got to love Twitter. So valuable. (laughs) You can post things like that up there. You know, it's kind of funny that the uh, announcer guy said, turn turn off all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades because that's pretty much how this studio is right now. Pretty much how WBSM is right now. I'm a little scared. But... uh, we have a caller on the line right now, so let's go to the phone lines. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? How are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Paranormal. Uh, I own the house up the north end of New Bedford. Okay. I'll give you the address off the air if you want it after. Sure, maybe. Well, <laughs> and I always had company. There's always some sort of uh, spirit in the house? Well, I... He walked in the front door, 
and there was the living room. There was a fireplace there, and that's where we had the TV. The stairway up to the second floor was, uh, you know, the sta- right inside the front door. Mm-hmm. And I would be sitting there in front of the fireplace or sitting there watching TV, and I would always see, well, not always, but uh, out of the corner of my eye, see a little girl sitting on the steps going up to the second floor. Hmm. And was she kind of transparent, or was it very solid? So, uh, uh, not very solid, no. Okay. So you could kind of, it was a little bit trans transparent, you could kind of see through it? Yep, yep. And was was this uh, this little girl, was she able to interact with you at all, or did she kind of just seem to be doing her own thing? Uh, she would look at me and smile. Because a lot of times, I mean, this is this is my... Here and watch TV with me or look at the fire. This, this is my own personal belief and uh, what I've been able to gather and, and what I've investigated is that a lot of times with children, they they have so much energy. And you've seen a little kid running around. They've got so much energy that they just burn off that sometimes that energy gets imprinted and recorded on the location. Well, I found out uh, years after I bought the house that uh, she was handicapped and her mother and father put a swimming pool in the backyard for her, which was still there. And uh, hear about breaking news oh, today or re- sorry about that. Did you get what I said? No, we got kind of cut off there by the promo. Oh, okay. I found out uh, after I'd owned the house for five or six years that uh, she was handicapped, and uh, her mother and her father put a swimming pool in the backyard. Mm-hmm. It was an in-ground pool. And uh, she drowned in it. Okay. And I guess she was still hanging around. Is is the pool still there? Yeah, I think it's been filled in. But was it still there when you when you lived there? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because uh, water is a very good uh, conductor of paranormal activity. Yep. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. So it's not, it sounds like you had kind of the, the the perfect setup for you know this spirit to kind of be trapped in that location. I mean, is is that why you're no longer in the location anymore? Or? Oh, no. I went through a divorce and sold the house. And uh, the people that bought it off me, as a matter of fact, lived there for less than a year, and they, I guess, saw her and uh, sold it. But you were at least able to live with it and, and have it be part of your life. Oh, yes. Oh, no. All she did was... Uh, like I said, when I was sitting in front of the fireplace or watching TV down there, she would, I would notice her out of the corner of my eye sitting on the stairway going to the second floor. And I could see her head turn and look at me and smile. So never, never any kind we, of... Uh, we would go to bed at night and shut all the lights off on the first floor. Mm-hmm. And when we would get up in the morning, the lights would be back on. It was the strangest thing. But that's the only thing I can ever remember of happening. I mean, it definitely sounds like it was, you know, playful and, and just trying to acknowledge uh, that yep. she was there. So, yep. I mean, that's, to me, that's a, a great experience to have, to, to know that it exists and be able to find out in a non-threatening way. Well, it was interesting as hell to me. <laughs> like I said, and I never had a bad time, you know? Sure. It was interesting as hell. Yep.
right. Well, thank you for sharing with us. All right. You have a great night. Yep. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm always very happy when when somebody can call in and share an experience with us, and it, and it's a positive story. When you know it can be something like that, where it's a, a positive experience for them, it gives them uh, some insight into the paranormal, gives them some answers about questions they might have had to say, okay, this stuff does exist, and they can have that experience without you know ending up running, screaming, and and having to move out of the house. So. You know, more stories like that are what we need to get out there. More stories like that are what we need to share so that people can realize that the paranormal is pretty normal. So thank you again for calling, and we thank uh, everyone for for always. Uh, you'll find a, a sympathetic listening ear here on Spooky South Coast. We, you know, when you when you say when you start off the story to most people saying you're going to think I'm crazy, we won't. So feel free to tell us anytime. Because we hear all kinds of things that border on the weird. We also like to talk about things that border on the weird. And let's do that right now. Or right now. Oh, bad news. <laughs> well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> Sorry, I just talked over the uh, over the audio there. From the Star Ledger in New Jersey, two Morris County men who staged a series of UFO hoaxes earlier this year were brought down to earth in Morris Plains Municipal Court. Municipal Judge Michael Carlucci fined Chris Russo, 29, and Joe Rudy, 28, $250 each and sentenced the two to 50 hours of community service for creating a disturbance. Between January 5th and February 19th, Russo and Rudy released helium balloons with traffic flares tied to them on five separate occasions in what they called a, quote, social experiment to debunk the pseudoscience of UFOs. They set the balloons aloft from a field in Hanover Township, later calling a local television station to report the red lights. On April 1st, they published an article and series of videos on the website eSkeptic explaining how and why they created the hoax. But one day after the expose, Morris County Prosecutor Robert A. Bianchi held a press conference condemning the hoax, saying the floating balloons posed a potential fire hazard and could have interfered with air traffic at nearby Morristown Airport. In court, Carlucci accepted a plea deal from Rudy and Russo's attorneys to cite the pair for an ordinance violation. He ordered the pair to serve community service for the Hanover Recreation Commission, specifically working with youth. If you were a pair of 17-year-olds, I'd tell you to grow up, the judge said to the men. But you're not 17. Uh, Bianchi said he was satisfied with the outcome of the case. And uh, they also said that it was a tremendous waste of police resources and posed a serious fire threat to homes, wooded areas, and posed a significant danger to air traffic and also tied up valuable 911 resources. So there you go. If you're going to conduct a hoax, you know, kind of make sure that you don't cause a public nuisance and uh, use up uh, public uh, funds and, and public services in, in the result. You know, yeah. it's just dumb. <laughs> you just, and, you know, if you want to disprove UFOs, don't go the idiot route, which is, you know... You're not going to get the UFO believers to believe you if you're a moron and you do it in such a moron way. You know, Matt Moniz is never going to believe somebody who does this. So, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of Matt Moniz, we'll get to him in just a minute. What do you have for us? All right. Um, 
from the Associated Press. One Colorado woman's love for tofu has been judged X-rated by the state officials. Kelly Kaufman Lee wanted to tell her world about her fondness for bean curd by picking certain letters for her SUV license plate. Her suggestion for the plate was I-L-V-T-O-F-U. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the Division of Motor Vehicles blocked her, blocked her plan because they thought the combination of letters could be interpreted as profane. You says think? To, says to her, <laughs> she loves tofu. I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> Says Department of Revenue uh, spokesman Mark, Mark Couch. We don't allow the letters F and U together because some people could read it as a street language for sex. This is the first I've heard of this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually a legal term known as for unlawful carnal knowledge. <laughs> officials, officials meet pe- periodically to ensure state plates stay free of letters that abbreviate gang slang, drug terms, or obscene phrases. The 38-year-old Kaufman Lee says to- tofu is a staple in her family's diet because they are vegan and that the DMV misinterpreted her message. You know, she's full of crap, and not just because she eats tofu. All right, she knew exactly what she was trying to do because nobody loves tofu enough that they want to put put it on their car. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, have you met people who live off tofu? Yeah, they don't drive cars. They go around on bicycles everywhere they go. It, it's just... I was surprised she drives an SUV. Yeah, that's what she, I'm saying. I, I was thinking she was going to drive a Prius. Or, or a, a bicycle. Yard, or a Yaris. Or a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's really a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's... A daytime hooker. Yeah. <laughs> I L V two F U. That's dot com. That's our website. All right. Well, let's do one more story so then we can get to Matt Moniz and, and hopefully uh, we we can we can do this right. From the Telegraph in the UK, in scenes reminiscent of the 2006 cult film Snakes on a Plane, four of twelve Stimson's pythons escaped during a two and a half hour flight from Alice Springs to Melbourne. Okay, I'll keep reading. On the ground in Melbourne, staff were unable to find the escapees among the luggage in the hold, and the aircraft was removed from service. Joe Aston, Qantas spokesman, said, <laughs> uh, all right. Joe Aston, Qantas spokesman, said, the 12 juvenile pythons measured about six in- this This worked great in, in dress rehearsal, folks. Measured about six inches in length and were traveling in an appropriate container. He said it was not clear how the four had escaped. Stake experts said the reptiles had probably slithered into the warmest parts of the plane, such as a motor or heater unit. However, the company did not want to run the risk of the snakes reappearing mid-flight, so after establishing that the species was not threatened or endangered, the aircraft was fumigated to kill the four pythons. The plane is now back in service. So. I have had it with these... There we go. Uh, tired of these snakes on this plane. I've never even seen that movie. I just that will forever stick in my mind as being the single greatest line ever uttered by Samuel L. Jackson that wasn't in Pulp Fiction. 
All right, so there you go. That's the Weekend Weird for this week. If you have a Weekend Weird story you'd like to share with us, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the forum, go to the Weekend Weird thread, drop it in there, and if we use it on the air, we'll send you a Spooky South Coast bumper sticker. And we do have some people, Dale Jr. fan, who is anxiously awaiting a bumper sticker. We will get you one. All right. So why don't we take our last break. When we come back, we'll talk to science advisor Matt Moniz, who's up in New Hampshire. We'll find out if he can get that plate, that New Hampshire plate. You know, maybe maybe they'll let her get away with it. All right, we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. <laughs> the fault is open. You're listening to The Haunted Headlines, your source for the stories making waves in the paranormal news. Sponsored by GhostVillage.com at www.GhostVillage.com backslash news. Good evening, I'm Christopher Balzano and you're listening to The Haunted Headlines, Ghost Village's weekly journey on the paranormal newswire to bring you the biggest stories making waves in the ghostly community. A few weeks ago... Ghost Village covered the story of a paranormal group in Ocala, Florida, working to save a haunted inn. This week, we are sad to report their efforts were in vain. The Seven Sisters Inn was purchased by First Coastal Community Bank for $100,000 at a foreclosure auction Tuesday. According to Ocala.com, the auction price includes the two Victorian homes on the National Registry of Historic Places and everything in them, including furnishes the former owners had collected over the years. Tuesday, members of the group who had tried to save the inn through an online petition, Southeastern Paranormal Investigations, organized a public candlelighting ceremony to give their final goodbyes to a building they believed was vital to the local and paranormal community. Ghosts are notorious for complaining after a house has been renovated, but in South Africa, one might be helping to make the decisions. Like the famous Winchester House, spirits are offering advice at the old St. John's Church Rectory in Bathurst so the new tenant, Marilyn Michelle, can get it done right. According to the Dispatch Online, soon after the purchase, she dropped her daughter at a medium's house in Zwazula Nadhal to advise on what to do with the ghosts. Instead, the medium told her a nun who had committed suicide in the house wanted certain alterations made to make it look like it had years ago in its heyday. Michelle followed the orders and has made peace with the departed nun although several other spirits who are responsible from everything from odd smells and weird dreams to noises and lights have been thrown out by exorcists and witch doctors. And last from the wire tonight, if you've got what it takes, you too can be on Ghost Hunters. According to the Sci-Fi Network, there is a new show on the horizon titled Ghost Hunters New Generations, which has begun looking for talent to display. It appears the show will be more about educating investigators than the original Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. Quote, whether you're a college student majoring in psych, engineering, or journalism, or just a whiz with electronics or photography, you may have the skills that can be perfect for a team of up-and-coming paranormal investigators. And if you and your friends love to explore cemeteries and old houses, then we want to teach you how to do it right. End quote. You can officially sign up by visiting Sci-Fi's website or heading off to Pilgrim Films' site at www.pilgrim-films.com/casting.html. Good luck. 
That's all the news we have for this week. Please stay tuned when we offer a special report later in the week on two different stories we've been tracking over the past couple months. Until then, you can go to our website at www.ghostvillage.com backslash news to get more information on these stories or anything else we cover during the week. I'm Chris Balzano, and that's what's haunting me. about that for weeks. You've been waiting to come back on the air so you can play it. Tell everybody who it is. Sniffing tear. <laughs> Sniffing the tears. Uh. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I'm going to let it play. Huh? I'm going to let it play. <laughs> Good. That's fine. You know, uh, it's kind of funny. We were talking about how I need to get a laptop, and then, of course, that great commercial comes on the air where I can get a laptop for only $20 a week plus get a free Nintendo Wii. Sounds like a good deal. It does. $20 a week for a year? Beautiful. All right, well, let's go to the phone lines. Phone lines. Let's go to that gray thing on the counter. And <laughs> let's talk to science advisor Matt Moniz, who is uh, up in the Granite State, up in New Hampshire. How are you tonight, Matt? All right, I was enjoying the song Driver's Seat you were playing. There you go. You know, Matt, Matt you, was... You win a bumper sticker. <laughs> for knowing the name of the song. He was... It came on. It came on the radio uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and Matt was like, "You know what? We should play some more sniffing the tears on on Spooky's Health Coast." And I said, "Go for it. It's great stuff." And and uh, of course, Driver's Seat is the only song you yeah. could find from Sniffing the Tears, isn't it? That's a shame. It is. They, they did, <laughs> the time in the spotlight was too short. Hmm. So, uh, speaking of being in the spotlight, Matt, you were up at uh, the Mount Washington event tonight, uh, the Beyond Reality event. Uh, how'd that go? It was uh, definitely a fun night. You know, we were were talking earlier in the show, uh, Matt, Costa, and I, about how many of these conventions and and conferences are popping up all over the country and and how it's hard to to really pack in, you know, the money's worth, uh, considering how many there are. But it seems like the Beyond Reality events, they definitely give you uh, plenty of bang for your buck. That is for sure. I mean, uh, for... The price of admission, you get uh, a room in a very beautiful hotel in a great location. The food uh, you get served is a you know, good three-, four-course meal. And then you get to investigate with uh, the members from TAPS all, all evening long. Now, how did it go? Were they, did they try to do a, a radio broadcast uh, through another no. station? or No. With the, I was talking to Jason Grant, and they are talking about hijacking our show next weekend. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to be on. <laughs> but I can tell you this much: the key works, so uh, we can at least get into the building. But uh, well, we can definitely work something out uh, for next week if we are going to be on. I'll try to talk to them during the week and set everything up. But we'll be honored to have them here, and we'd be happy to host them if that's the case. Uh, now, wh- who are some of the other guests that are up there this weekend? Uh, we have Jeff Belanger was up here, Lauren Coleman. Uh, that that's. The guests for right now. Tiffany Johnson will be in a little later on. Uh, they've had various psychics and tarot card readers there, and uh, it's, it's a collection of uh, people. Uh, lots of great individuals from all kinds of groups and stuff up there tonight. 
we, I just came back from an investigation from the uh, downstairs of a place called the Cave in the room, and we had an extremely interesting K2 session with four separate K2 meters spread out over 50 feet in the place. And uh, we were able to get all of them to line up at the same time or each one individually in response to questions, which was actually never done before. Oh, very Even cool. Jason and Grant were extremely impressed. Well, I know there's one of our uh, listeners who was posting up on the, the forum at SpookySouthCoast.com who said he was going to try and track you down and meet you uh, during the course of the weekend up there. So uh, tell him that we all say hi if that ends up happening. Uh, but also, uh, I've met several people. <laughs> I'm wearing a Spooky South Coast T-shirt. Hey, we listen to the show, so uh, we definitely get fans that are out here. It, well, and we're also appreciative of the fact that uh, they can get us uh, tax-free liquor and fireworks too uh, <laughs> while they're up there. So we we highly encourage that people bring back van loads of those for us. But and of course, uh, while you're up there, see if you can get the uh, license plate ILV two uh, FU. No, T-O-F-U, uh, uh, right, <laughs> T-O? Well, Matt just read a story about somebody who tried to get I Love Tofu as their uh, license plate, and they, they said no. And I said, oh, New Hampshire will definitely let them do it. <laughs> Live free or die. Yes, sir. Uh, so, and also, uh, but you're, you're not actually staying at the Mount Washington Hotel. You're staying somewhere else this weekend. That's right. I am actually staying in the Spalding Inn. That is the inn that was purchased by Jason and Grant and will be on this week's show of Ghost Hunters International. They actually were here, and they filmed uh, in this haunted location. And I am actually staying in room 22, which people will see later on. But it is it is a haunted room that uh, Jason and Grant have had personal experiences in, as well as their wives. So, and was was the purchase of the inn before or after that episode was filmed? Uh, well before. Okay. So it was kind of like once... They realized how much activity was there and, and that it was for sale. They decided, hey, is it worth worth buying? Uh, they, they they bought the place before. Uh, oh, before the yeah, episode yeah. was filmed. Right. So it's their fault then because of all the work they've been doing on the place. They've started all up. Uh, that was one of the things that we all brought up, yeah, since there was a lot of work being done, uh, renovations, and the, the place is absolutely beautiful, I have to say. I mean, what they've done inside the place is... Uh, incredible. I mean, they, they're very nice uh, rooms. Uh, they're uh, more of a country style. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, like, color televisions and stuff like that, but you have neat little settees and desks and stuff and beds with, you know, the country type of quilting on it. It's a very country feel out here, and they're very nice rooms. When does it oh. open to the general public? Uh, it's open right now. It just opened up. Essentially, this week I'm one of the first guests. Oh, excellent! I knew I knew it was going to open sometime in April, but I didn't know it was already going. So, I mean, it's it's perfect then to go up uh, for this Mount Washington thing because you can also stay at the Spalding Inn if you choose for spend a little extra time before you rush home. And uh, next... a little extra time and a little less money. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now, because I've seen the rates, the room rates are extremely affordable uh, for the Spalding Inn. So, uh, definitely check that out if you're. Heading up to New Hampshire, and, and next weekend there's another one of these Beyond Reality events too, right? Correct. And that's going to be uh, the same same speakers and the same uh, itinerary. Uh, approximately, there may be one or two changes. But you will be there. Uh, yeah, I've been invited back up. They they haven't gotten sick of you yet. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I was asked <laughs> to join uh, the Taps Home Group. 
There you go. Now, uh, when when, not, when you're up there and, and you're you're getting the chance to to check out this hotel and and to run this investigation with people, um, you know, it's called the Granite State. And we've talked in the past about about quartz and its its ability to record uh, paranormal activity. Do you think that being up there and being surrounded by so much granite that's in New Hampshire, do you think that has an effect on activity? Oh, I'm sure it must. Not only the the granite, but the amount of water that's flowing through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have all of this snow melt going through all these rivers and stuff like that. You have a natural uh, electrical effect by just the, the water in motion and the pressure of quartz and stuff. And you know, it, it is a, um, a brewing pot, I guess you could say, that helps feed paranormal activity. And I bet you never thought about all that, those, all those years you were going to Laconia. Uh, well, <laughs> I had other things on my mind heading to Laconia. Exactly. There you go. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for checking in with us this week, and we'll definitely talk to you more next week. We'll figure out what's going on with the Red Sox schedule and, and what's going on here because uh, ba- basically we don't even know. <laughs> So we'll uh, we'll get back to you, and, and we'll talk with Jason and Grant. If we can, we would love to have them here on the airwaves. Uh, like I said, they're talking about hijacking Spooky. <laughs> Just like what we did for them. We'll so. be, we'll be right. here. Uh, it, right. Even if we can't get on the air, we'll try and we'll try and pull off some something uh, something uh, sneaky and and real spy techie. So. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll talk to you when you get back. All right. Bye. Take care. Good night. That is Matt Moniz, science advisor for Spooky South Coast in New Hampshire at the Taps Beyond Reality event at the Mount Washington Hotel and staying at the lovely Spalding Inn. You know, I think that if uh, Jason and Grant are going to own the Spalding Inn and, you know, operate it as as a business venture, one of them has to be Captain Spalding. Captain Spalding? Yes. Captain Spalding? Oh, All right, yeah. <laughs> I know Captain Spaulding as being the Groucho Marx character from Animal Crackers. I raised by Captain Spaulding, the African yes. explorer. But, you know, Captain Spaulding also being the character in the Rob Zombie film, too. Oh, yes. So That's true. They could probably get Sid Haig to actually go to the Spaulding. I, I, I think he's, uh... Yeah, he does pretty much everything. Anything, so. <laughs> yeah, except come on the show. We haven't had him on the show. He's been on like every other show, but we haven't had him here. We'll have to fix that sometime in the future. All right. Well, you know, I actually, if we if we were smarter and and quicker on the draw, I actually have "Hooray for Captain Spaulding" on my uh, <laughs> iPod. So, and I could also sing it. Yeah, that's that's the song where he says, "You know, the other the other day I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How I got in my pajamas, I'll never know." <laughs> All right, well, hello, we must be going. We came to say we cannot stay, we must be going. And we must be going. So good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us back here in the wild, wacky adventures of our first trip on the air in about a month. Uh, we promise next week we'll shake the rust off. Although, who knows, Jason and Grant could be in this time slot. We'll see We'll see what happens. Stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com for updates and also the Twitter feed, twitter.com slash SpookySC. As soon as we find out what's going on, we're going to put it up there, and that's going to be how you can find out. So until then, for Matt Moniz up in New Hampshire, for Matt Costa sitting across from me, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. 
It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.